Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast for day two of this March Madness Marathon. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, early round, great early round matchups, and a lot of you know a handful of upsets yesterday. So um, going into uh, the second half, the Friday games, uh, the day night. Um, Slates, we've got we've got a lot of really good matchups here, and I'm not going to waste any time uh, previewing it. I'm going to just jump right in uh, with this. Will be I guess the 11:35 start on Friday morning of the tournament. Um, I believe everybody's already taken off work for the rest of the day, and, exactly uh, five beers deep. So, <laughs> so enough with the preamble. Um, let's get this going. Uh, to, first matchup is uh, the Birds versus Queens of the Stone Age, uh, which is a hmm. Old meets the new, I'd say. Um, birds are phenomenal. Uh, juggernaut, very influential, sort of inventors of both the sort of jangle pop and uh, the sort of Laurel Canyon, you know, L.A. country rock sound. So, um, you know, sort of American, the, the, the sort of seminal American Ricker, Rickenbacker band. Um Queens of the Stone Age, on the other hand, uh, bring the desert heat. Very uh, muscular, very riff-driven, and uh, I wouldn't actually want to match up with them on the basketball court. But uh, what are you thinking, Jer? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you've got a band that that is very influential, very important to American music, and then a a band that's just on the court is really hard to beat. I mean, you've got a a couple players that went pro right away that have been in and out of this lineup, Dave Grohl, Lanigan from the Screaming Trees, yep. And then, uh, you know, obviously Josh Homney uh, as the power center there. So it's a a tough one. I mean, um, (sighs) Christian, what do you think? Sorry, I'm, I'm lost for words there. No, I think uh, I think you guys have set it up very nicely. I mean, it is a, it is a modern day mainstream juggernaut. Queens of the Stone Age made hard rock for everyone, right? I mean, they really weren't um, uh, they weren't you know setting out to sort of play at the fringes. They wanted to go you know right through the major artery of rock and roll um, and delivered it at you know high speed, high intensity. Damn good musicians. Um, but you've, you know, you've got to think as far as the, the bird's influence. I mean, that was really a, that was an important heyday. What? I mean, it was the end of the sixties. It was really probably the closest. I mean, one of the closest things that the U S ever produced to really competing with, uh, you know, the British invasion bands. Right. I mean, would you agree with that? They were that early. Yeah, they were that early. They, people don't realize, but, um, you know, when they were recording those first weird thing about the birds is that Mr. Tambourine Man was 65, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it might have been yeah around there. Um, but they the you know three of their first singles were Bob Dylan covers, which was you know obviously we don't think of that as being unusual now, but um, you know Dylan in and of himself was just sort of emerging, so it was a strange thing for there to be such a lock um, between two artists at that point. Um, and then you know they the, one of the things about the Birds I think that may um, keep them from getting the sort of uh, recognition and lauding that they deserve is that they really were chameleon. They were chameleonish kind of band. They they started, you know, they had a distinct sound almost on every album. And I think they would now say that they did that on purpose. I'm not sure uh, if that was conscious, but I, I'm sure it would drive a record executive crazy because you there is a definitive bird sound, but there's also Sweetheart of the Rodeo. There's also, um, 
you know, the, you know, the eight miles high period where we're just straight up psychedelia. Uh, it's a really strange catalog, but I think it's phenomenal. Um, am I voting first? I you think are. you are. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the birds. Right. Christian, I'll let Christian. you go next. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that as far as as far as true greatness is concerned, as much as I love uh, as much as I love the birds, um, you know, I think the the power and uh, the the sort of um, you know the 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 you know delivery of, of um, Queens of the Stone Age in these last twenty years, I you know I've got to go with Queens of the Stone Age. Gosh, leave me yeah. in a tough spot here. I. Uh, I got to say, like, one of the best concerts I've seen in the last 15 years was Queens. But um, I also just, the influence of the birds is, is just massive to people like Tom Petty. And, and actually, the, the first band that kind of introduced me to the genius of Bob Dylan, who I didn't really love on his own due to his voice, but then learned to love through people like Johnny Cash and the birds. So um, we're going to go birds. All right, the birds move on. Next up is uh, a Midwestern, a battle for Midwestern supremacy. The Replacements versus Devo. The Rust Belt. I know who I'd take in a rock fight. I know who I'd take in a Taking a bar fight, I might say as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah but don't, don't forget, Devo had helmets. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm not sure I would, uh, you know... I'm not sure I'd take Devo in a, in a sporting competition. Anyway, uh, Jared, why don't you kick this one off? Yeah, I mean, well, look, you know, we've, we've talked about the replacements before on this pod. We did a whole a whole podcast on the replacements. Uh, you know, one of my all-time favorite American rock bands. So um, I'm going to move on to Devo and just say that, like, you know, <laughs> Devo is one of the weirdest effing fucking bands I've ever heard, you know. When I first heard Devo, um, it, it just blew me away. And, and then, you know, my actually my first impression of Devo was the MTV hit Whip It, which is, you know, um, probably not, you know, the, the most creative or, or interesting stuff Devo did. And then as I got older, kind of going into, you know, Jocko Homo and, and, and kind of the early Devo stuff um, just really blew me away. So, you know, this band is from... Uh, are they from Akron, Ohio? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, Akron, Ohio, and, you know, just one of the craziest, weirdest, and uh, best bands out there. Super influential. Um, just post... I mean, the, when I think post-punk, I think Devo. Um, nobody did it better, sort of blending machines with guitars, with um, noise, with pop. So, with you know, it, with art, yeah, exactly. I mean, they brought it to another level. And then also, I, I have a real soft spot for the middle of the con- these bands, like Flaming Lips, who we talked about in, in the last 
around there, you know, bands that kind of pop up, not, you know, outside of New York City, San Francisco, L.A., um, you know, kind of the hot spots for music. On the flip side, you know, replacements are just, you know, I can relate to Paul Westerberg lyrics more than any other songwriter, I think, and I, I just, that band sticks with me, um, you know, they're, they are probably my favorite rock band. So it's going to be a tough one for me in the sense that my favorite band versus a band that I think was hugely impactful on the music scene. So, uh, Wyndham, what do you think? Well, here's a, here's a funny thing about Devo, and, and I was, you know, I, I'm sort of, this is coming to me um, as we're talking, but, you know, you could say Devo was hugely influential. What Devo was was hugely noticeable. Um, they They stuck out. They were an art rock, you know, sort of, um, you know, they they were sort of a coalition. They they were more than a band. They were almost like an art, you know, a small art scene. I believe out of Kent State University. And what it was is they they were so outside of of what was um, you know popular and what was being played. Weirdly, they did have a bigger hit than almost any of their contemporaries with Whip It. But um, you know, really, it was. I think about bands like um, Devo. And the B-52s, and even to a certain degree X, um, bands that weren't, you know, people think about them as being hugely influential, but what they were really is hugely original. Uh, They didn't sound like anybody else. Nobody still sounds like them. I mean, there's never been another B-52s. There's never been another Devo. And um, I, you know, I I appreciate that so much. Uh, Sometimes I think I appreciate them, their effort and their art more than I do their music. Um, although I can't argue, I do believe Satisfaction by Debo might be the greatest cover of all time. Um, Agreed. That said, I, I'm a massive Replacements fan. Um, I, we were talking a little uh, before we got on the podcast today, and I, I had predicted that the Replacements would win um, two blowouts and then uh, completely um, so- self-sabotage in the round of 16. <laughs> uh, I'm still sticking to that as a as a prediction, but... Um, you know, I, I love them both, but, uh, you know, Christian, what, what's your thoughts? Well, um, I mean, I think, you know, you, you start by looking at the, the replacement bench, um, you know, and, and, and sort of looking, watching the team as they warm up, and uh, they're fighting. Um, they, that Gatorade bucket's full of vodka, by the way. Yeah, exactly. That is the, oh, the original Gatorade vodka trick. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know, it's like having five Metal World Peace guys on your team, you know? It's like, um, I mean, you couldn't possibly, like, they can barely hold it together to bring themselves to stardom, given every opportunity. Um, it's difficult to imagine that they could uh, that they could actually, you know, run any kind of play-based offense. Um, and then they threw one wait, of the Wait, wait, I think they off. just pulled down their pants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Devo, on the other hand, you know, that's a well-oiled machine, and uh, you know I think look from from the very start, right? With with we are not men, or are we not men? We, we are Devo, um, produced by Brian Eno. Uh, you know I, I think that these guys were total pioneers in in two ways, and and the first is because they crucially rested the fucking synthesizer back from Vangelis and, you know, prog rock, um, you know, superstars and said, no, wait, this can be a viable instrument in its own right. Um, and it can be part of rock and roll. And the other, like, you know, really pioneering, uh, uh, you know, page in their playbook, I thought was the fact that they were such early adopters, early recognizers of, of what MTV was going to do. 
um, these guys were cranking out videos early on and and said, look, we want to be a part of that. We get that this is going to be, you know, this is the direction things are heading. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when See, I would actually interject just a, you know, uh, timeline wise is that I think Devo were doing videos and, and then MTV showed up. It wasn't the other way around. And I think that's the thing that I was trying to get across with Devo is they were going to they were going to do point. their thing anyway. And, you know, if that and it happened to coincide, you know, luckily with uh, the video revolution, if they had had more popular videos to play than Devo, Devo never would have seen the light of day. Trust me. Sometimes that's how innovation works. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that they, they deserve all the credit that they get. Um, you know, they're, they're a weird band for sure. But, I mean, I think the, the American musical landscape would be very different without them. Um, one less drunken, rollicking punk band? Uh, yeah. I don't know. So who are you, who's your vote for? Well, I, I think I'm going to have to go with Devo here. Ah, interesting. I'm going replacements. Yeah, I mean, I think just um, look. Are we on a, are we not men? We are Devo. Is my is a, a, a cornerstone in, in American music. I agree with you, but the Mats just have um, three more of those. So I'm going to go Mats. Next one, bit of a physical mis- mix, uh, sorry, physical mismatch. Certainly a sales mismatch, but um, uh, I'm interested to see. I, I, uh, it's Big Star versus Motley Crue. Jer, uh, what, what are your thoughts? <laughs> sorry, I just have to laugh at this matchup. <laughs> Ironic, I, I, I not ironically, th- but weirdly, everybody in Big Star has died, and nobody in Motley Crue. Um, yeah, that is ironic. You're right. And yeah, I, no, I that, that is that is ironic. Not yeah, you, that's a that's an appropriate word for that. I definitely think on the basketball court, Molly Crew is running circles around Chris Bell and Alex <laughs> Chilton right now. Um, but uh, you know, we'll talk about music. So you know, Big Star is is a cult classic, as we know, and and two I, I think pretty close to perfect albums. Um, Big Star is that band that you kind of hear number one record and and. Uh, in Radio City, and, and you wonder, like, you know, I always find this phenomenon really cool in music when you're like, what? why the fuck weren't these guys huge? Um, Molly Crew, on the other hand, you hear and you know exactly why they were huge. They had huge riffs. Huge. Yeah, exactly. Huge, you know, uh, look. Um, and, you know, I think a, a pretty good, you know, rock band, hard rock band. Um, you know, look, it's, uh, I think, you know, the nice thing about this matchup is that is they are both at the core kind of rock and roll, but I think Big Star just has a lot more depth to their music. I mean, I think they had a, a real influence with the sort of Memphis soul sound. And then I think they also, 
um, had a big influence from the British, you know, kind of, uh, British invasion as well. And so it's, uh, you know, to me, they're just, they're just kind of intricate and perfect and, and delicate in all the right ways, but can still rock where the crew is just in your face, um, bulging, um, lipstick covered cock. But I, I gotta say, I love Dr. Feel Good. I think it's a great song. Um, and I think, uh, there's a few more there, but for me, this is probably going to be an easy one. When or Christian? Christian? I mean, Christian. Man, this is a difficult matchup. I mean, you know, I think Big Star, by all accounts, what their entire legacy is, is built on the idea that they really should have been, um, you know, one of the greatest American rock bands. And perhaps they were, but they went more or less unnoticed. Uh, and, you know, I think that the cult status that they've established later, um, you know, later in, in, in uh, through the decades is, is really... Um, maybe now rivals what Motley Crue had uh, at their peak? I mean, how would you guys evaluate that uh, that comparison? You know, Big no, Star not- at, its, at its most sort of like culturally, um, you know, uh, heralded versus Motley Crue, you know, in the I 80s. think the crew was a huge, huge rock band um, who never had any cultural impact. But I, I think, oh, man, you stole my thunder on that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that uh, you know, Big Star, you know, on the flip side, has the cultural impact. But I mean, the Molly Crew was—they were the best of a, of a flock of shitty bands, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, one of the best. Sorry, we're not the best. There was one that was the best that we may talk about later in this eternity. But um, but out of that hair metal kind of world, they they definitely you know, could rock and actually had some, some meat on the bone. Um, but I don't think they had any sort of impact whatsoever. Go ahead, Wynn. Sorry to cut you off there. No, no, no. I was, I was honestly going to, you know, that was my take on this is that, you know, the, as big as Motley Crue was, um, I really think they didn't move the needle at all. Pardon the pun. Um, I think they, I think Big Star had a fairly limited impact, but I think they were, you know, their body of work, I just think is so great that I can't, you can really argue against I, them. So one thing I have to ask, I mean, I, I know that a lot of people my age are, are definitely have, you know, have were, were turned on to Big Star in the first place by the phenomenal documentary about that band. Um, and, you know, it was something that sort of word of mouth, I guess, uh, had had, you know, um, had its limits. And, you know, one of the reasons that this is something that sort of is is now considered, I guess, sort of a, a canonical, you know, um, Discography within the the you know wider sort of nineteen seventies rock is is really the fact that like, it, I mean the the fact that they were sort of you know um, uh, memorialized in in that way. So I, I wonder you know does that uh, without that without that particular documentary, do you think these guys would have the the reach that they have? Yeah, um, it, it, it predates that. I mean they yeah. were very um, influential through the eighties. Uh, people. People who loved music. I guess, of course, I the they, replacements have Alex Chilton as one of their... So yeah. No, but they they were to the 80s what uh, the Velvet Underground was to the 70s. Yeah, I was going to say, that you had a lot of bands covering them. You definitely, obviously, the replacements covered September Girls a lot live. But in addition to that, um, you know, even people in the 90s, like the Lemonheads used to do uh, big star covers. In fact, how I got kind of turned on to them early on was bands that I liked covering them and really liking the songs that they were covering and figuring out who it was. Yeah. Also, I'd say, um, you know, in real time, I mean, don't forget, in real time, um, Big Star probably sold about as well as Velvet Underground Records. All right, let's go to a vote. Um, Jer? Yeah, it's Big Star all the way for me on this one. Christian? 
Big star. Yeah, it's a it's a landslide. Uh, go call Doctor Feelgood, Motley Crew. Next one's another weird, a very weird uh, matchup. Uh, they're getting, I, I like these. Um, the Doors from L.A. versus Pavement from Stockton, California. Christian, open. Man, uh, I'm trying to think of what basketball teams these these two bands are. Um, I think Pavement's obviously UVA. I mean, that's that's. A oh, I'm thinking band. Pavement might be Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Wesleyan. But the, but the Doors. <laughs> Uh, geez, you know, Oregon? I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't UCLA. matter. UCLA. I mean, yeah, but, uh, well, anyway. Um, look, I think uh, The Doors, that guy wrote like a sixth grader. Um, he's in there because, <laughs> uh, he's in there because they're the fucking Doors and everybody knows them and every sixth grader likes them. Um, and then by the time you passed ninth grade English, uh, and you understand what that guy's lyrics sound like, um, Jim Morrison is no longer as appealing as he used to be. Um, I don't think his, I, d- I don't think that the band's music is particularly, I mean, I guess, yeah, sort of Eastern influenced, all right, but like not exactly, you know, Beatles sitar action with George Harrison. Um, I, you know, I look. I'm strapped. Obviously, I'm not sure what they bring to this game. Um, I think Pavement, by contrast, uh, really helped to, to sort of genre define um, indie rock in the '90s, uh, and and you know they they created something that that lasted far beyond, or they they contributed to creating something that lasted far beyond. Um, you know, their own uh, string of, of good albums. And, you know, for all of the criticism about Pavement, which maybe, like, they weren't necessarily always the best live performers. They were kind of boring on stage. They weren't always that practiced. Um, they did put, you know, a, like, back-to-back, bang-bang, you know, um, between uh, Slanted and Chan, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, like, the two of the two of the best albums of the decade. Um, they're huge. They're clever as hell. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I think that they, they, by all accounts, probably should have, have an edge in this matchup, but, but what do you think, Wyndham? Um, you know, I would, I, I'm, I'm an avowed disliker of the Doors. I'm not a big fan. Um, their one contribution to the world, as far as I'm concerned, is Ray Manzarek discovering and producing the first four, uh, X albums, which, to which I'm forever grateful, uh, and I don't mind the bass line in Peace Frog. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Probably um, their best song. I would agree. But I will say, <laughs> yeah. I, I watched a pavement uh, documentary last night um, called Slow Century. It was I think, made in 2002, and I was absolutely, you know, it, it was a little bit validating because I was like, was I too harsh on pavement? Because um, they were t- fucking terrible live. And it wasn't the kind of terrible that entertained anybody. Um, it was a complete just... Like, yeah, it wasn't like replacements on their off night terrible or something. No, it was like, no. yeah. I mean, it wasn't Aerosmith coming out and passing out 
on stage. I mean, that's an event. You know, this was just <laughs> paying to see somebody not try. Um, and I think they oh, played... Oh, that's, that's called sending any of us to college, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, so anyway, that's my unloading. I'm, I'm a little, um, I'm a little down on pavement just because of the, uh, um, you know, just being reminded of, of how little they tried. That said, I would say Slain and Enchanted is a perfect album and Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain is a, is a perfect half of an album. And, um, it's, it's hard to see the doors doing, it's hard to see the doors doing that well, given that we just had to watch Jim Moore's and get his stomach pumped before the game. So (laughs) I, um, Jared, what do you, uh, and you can make this very brief if you'd like. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to vote. I mean, I'll just say that pavement is sort of like my sports and college career, very disappointing, but, uh, made it through both. And, um, (laughs) I'm going to go pavement all the way. I fucking hate the doors. Enough said. (laughs) (laughs) So to all our to all our podcast fans who are also Doors fans, um, you know, uh, we, we apologize. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm going pavement too. Fuck the Doors. <laughs> Go back to those gold sounds and keep my anthem to yourself because it's nothing I don't like. Is it a crisis or a boring change when it's central? So essential. It has a nice ring. Opinions and they're coming to the chorus now. I keep my address to yourself. Cause we need secrets. We need secrets. Because I never wanna make you feel that you're so sure. Never ignorant so believe in what you wanna do until you think Next up is, uh, ooh, this is a good one, internally anyway, Van Halen versus Interpol. Damn. All right. Oh, I guess you got to start this one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, look, I mean, so. Make your case, man. Turn on the bright lights. Um, if, just, if that were the standalone sum total of their ambition and contribution to the world, I would say, uh, I would say that that is... Um, you know that 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 puts them in this bracket. They deserve to be here. Um, and I would uh, argue that it was. But go ahead. Well, no, I'm saying you don't you don't get the you don't get to like ding them for any of their subsequent albums. Um, that, that's my point. I'm trying to cleave that album away from the others, <laughs> um, which is a which is a, a part of part of my strategy. Let me finish, please. Um, but uh, I think you know it's important, and I'm going to play this card um, that they wrote that in the wake of September 11th. Um, it is, you know, it is woven into the very fabric of the history of this country um, in, uh, in, in the last, uh, last 20 years. And, you know, I think that there's a sort of haunting melancholy about New York City at that particular time. I mean, it was bleak. And, I mean, it was, it was a bleakness that I think sort of transcends that particular point in time, but it needed a source of inspiration for that that was just absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, and I, I think that they found it. So when we're talking about the greatest American band, I think, you know, one that, that is fundamentally tied into one of the greatest American tragedies um, of the last century is, is definitely worthy of consideration. Deep breath. Wow. Van wow. Halen. <laughs> Cheap. Van Halen, on the other hand. Um, Shooting a lot of threes, I believe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just like basketball on someone's dick. Yeah. Um, 
Man, wow. All right. Uh, well, I'll let one of you guys take Van Halen. How about that? Jerry, why don't you take Van Halen? <laughs> I mean, I just have to say that we, we talked about Motley Crue's lack of impact on music, and uh, that's because Van Halen was there to uh, to make sure there was an impact on, on hard rock and on uh, sort of metal. Um, you know, look, Van Halen is a tale of, of two bands. You know, there there is the early years, which I, I think... Um, you just really defined a, a genre. I mean, Van Halen, uh, the first album, Van Halen 2, Fair Warning. I mean, just uh, Women and Children First are some of the, I think, the best kind of uh, posts that Led Zeppelin world hard rock albums. And you haven't uh, even gotten to Panama get. yet. I yeah. have not, which is, you know, and, uh, and, you know, David Lee Roth, for as big of a pain in the ass as he was and, and seemed to be, was just the quintessential frontman. Um, and then Eddie Van Halen's, you know, and I am not ever anybody to talk about guitar work or, you know, drums or anything of that, anything musical, but man, that guy could rip and did. Um, I will say that I fucking hate Sammy Hagar Van Halen and, uh, <laughs> I can't even pull out a redeeming quality. So the, the Jimmy um, Buffett of the hard rock world. Yeah. The reason Interpol and, and I, I too, you know, love that album by Interpol. The reason they really do stand a chance here is because of, Halen doing the the one thing they never should have done, which is um, self destructing before you know and, and turning into Sam Hagar, or um, but you know I, it's a tough matchup. I, I just think Van Halen is the band that had had the bigger impact here. When what do you think? I I am an, I'm a massive uh, David Lee Roth era Van Halen fan. I was not when I was younger. It falls just that falls decidedly into my like this is a something I shouldn't like. It's not cool or erudite or whatever the hell I wanted to be when I was young and um but god it's awesome and then uh you know I think upon discovering uh pot in around ninth grade uh, I started listening to Van Halen on headphones and that was kind of the end of it so um I uh I love Interpol I uh I feel badly um that Christian had to (laughs) blight them with his uh, (laughs) um but uh, I, I mean, I know how important they are to Christian. That's a that's a toughie for me. But I I love Van Halen. The the first you know those first several Van Halen albums are just so indelibly American too. That's one of the other things. I mean, despite the fact that the Van Halen brothers are uh, Dutch. Um, yeah, were, yeah. Weren't they both born in the Netherlands? I don't know. I, I think they might have been, or one of them was. But anyway, they what they you know what they were was just. I mean, that is the sound of America in 1976 if you wanted to if you wanted to put I mean and, and Richard Linklater has on more than one occasion if you want to actually tell somebody what year it is you throw on Van Halen um, and you know it's 1976 so anyway um, let's vote Christian right. uh, I would just like to say that a vote for Interpol is a vote for American resilience um, and I'm voting <laughs> Interpol I would say a vote for Van Halen is a vote for um, a vote against American abstinence. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can go ahead, Jer. I'm going to go Halen. <laughs> All right. Fair enough.
All right, the next one. Oh, another screwy, another really strange one. Um, the Cars versus the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Christian, throw it to you. Huh. All right. Um, yeah, this is this is this is, this is going to be one of those matchups. I wish I'd prepared for a little bit better. Um, all right. So we have uh, the defining sound. I think. Well, I think one of the defining sounds of the um, of their era in the Cars for sure. Um, and uh, hugely popular band. In addition to being um, a band that sort of for his for his as peculiar a sound as they have in the sense that you can, you'll, you'll never, you'll never hear a song and not immediately know it's a car song. Um, it's sort of, it, it, it has a curious timelessness to me in the sense that I feel like it's, it's great outside of its sort of immediate surroundings, right? Like it could play as a cool band from, you know, a, a number of different decades. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Man, what the hell happened to those guys after their first couple <laughs> albums? Like, they are, you know, supremely talented musicians. Nobody's ever going to argue with that. Um, I mean, they're, they're, you know, particularly, I actually think, with their later lineup, even of, of John Frusciante, um, is, you know, probably the best guitarist they've ever had. Um, but you've got, you know, you and, and then Flea, of course, is just a, a, you know, virtuoso, right? I mean, they, they, they have, and Anthony Kiedis, I think, is sort of one of the all-time, like, entertaining, like, energetic, charismatic front men, sort of... He would, he would be your era's David Lee Roth. Yeah, who, I mean, and you could say also, you know, has a... And look, they all, they all you know, trace their lineage back to Mick Jagger at the end of the day. Um, and, you know, it's that kind of, uh, bomb, like, just incredibly in-your-face, um, sort of hypersexual, uh, you know, performance stuff that, that really attracts attention. But, like... Talk about the music for a second. Um, you know, heavy, heavy funk and jazz influence. It's fucking weird. It's just weird stuff. Um, and I, look, I love it. Um, the the early couple of albums, like you know, tunes like Mellowship Slinky and B Major Minor. I don't know. I can't remember. Um, but like, that's a that's a killer song. Um, you've got uh, an incredible run of albums. I think into the early '90s, maybe. Um, but then it just drops off. I mean, it's like... Blood Sugar, Sex, Magic. Blood Sugar, Sex, Magic was... Yeah, exactly. And that's their... Okay. Um, then, I mean, that's really the, the apex. And, I mean, that's an incredible uh, incredible piece. But what do you guys think? Jerry, why don't you go ahead? Yeah, I mean, the Red Hot Super is a band I saw probably as much as we all saw Sonic Youth back in the early 90s. Um, you know, I feel like I kind of... Uh, you know, back when you just didn't have as much selection and you were kind of looking for bands, they were they were sort of an omnipresent um, band. I got to say, though, like, I just don't really like them. And um, I, all the things that Christian mentioned, the fusions of jazz and, and funk, um, I think they do pretty poorly. Um, I saw them live. They were a good live band. And, uh, and it, it, it's just a band that, like, I, I understand that they're important. I understand they're important to American music. But um, I'm going to go with some personal taste here and just say that, like, it, it, it's not a band for me. Um, the Cars, on the other hand, um, you know, I think a relatively short output, if I'm – correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think it was an output that lasts for me. I, I think they're uh, they're a band that, you know, um, really slick, really um, good. You know, I think one of my, you know, favorite stories was from 
um, that Please Kill Me where, you know, Johnny Thunders was just crushed when he heard the, the cars because they were, you know, he just knew he was fucked, you know. Um, those guys just knew how to put out radio hits. And, and I like what you said, Christian. I mean, it's fairly timeless, even though it's like really, you know, it's a sound of the late 70s and 80s, but it, it, it's remained timeless. Where the Chili Peppers to me sound horribly dated, um, their early stuff, and then really shitty, <laughs> their latter stuff. So I think we know who my vote is, but I'm going to hold off on, on giving it until we hear when to Yeah, I mean, I had a long history with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, I was a fan of theirs from the Freaky Siley days and, um, you know, saw them a lot when they were when I was younger. So, I mean, I, I saw them at every... I, I think I've actually... I think I may have seen uh, the Chili Peppers with, like, six different guitar players, six or eight different guitar players. It's crazy. But um, the, you know... Chili Peppers for me were a, a band I loved, and I was actually really enthusiastic about um, in the late '80s, um, up until Blood Sugar Sex Magic, and I liked Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, but there was a long hiatus after that, and I feel like I had a very uh, different outlook on them after that. I think they took three or four years to put out their next album, um, and you know, the, there was something really different about me listening to them after that. Um, not so much them. I mean, I think they do have, I think they have tapered off a lot, but I also just think that like, there's something about them that appeals to young men and doesn't appeal to older, you know, people as they get older, but I, you know, that, that said they're, they're massive. They're, you know, and the cars, you know, for what it's worth, as much as I love the first two cars albums, you know, the rest of their output was kind of hit and miss. I mean, they had two more albums that were pretty good, and then they had some real dreck in the mid-80s. You know, mid um, you know p- Drive and Magic and stuff like that. So Purely from a perspective yeah. of, like, I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers provided a hell of an entertaining run as celebrities, whether they were, you know, and I, I think that that's sort of, like, to the extent that that contributes to... Um, or you know the determination of of, of this game, like uh, between these two bands, it's like they were just, yeah, they were fun on and off the court, right? I don't know, yeah, but for some reason, they're when they weren't, dying. um, they're I sticking think Flea around. Was a likable uh, personality. Yeah, they, both, they, they were been. all, you know, they were all big personalities. But I, I, I would say that their longevity is m- more damaging than a lot of people's because they're kind of, you know. They're still trying to be the same band they were. Um, uh, see, it's funny. I would actually, I would accuse Green Day of that more than than uh, than the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But of course, they're not playing in this game, so so I can't do that. Well, I mean, <laughs> obviously, if you were if you were putting them against each other, it would be, there'd be an obvious shirts and skins on that on the court. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Would there? Or would it just be skins on? Yeah, I mean, like I don't know, early '90s Green Day against, yeah. Um, but no, I I I, uh, I don't know. So I guess it's time to vote, um, and uh, it's hard to say because Chili Peppers is another band that I think kind of exists outside uh, the the sphere of influence. I mean, I think they do have some a- acolytes. I don't think they. I don't think there's another Chili Peppers. I don't think anyone else sounds like them. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm, I'm just gonna throw down the gauntlet here and start the vote. Please do. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about this really from the perspective of. If I wanted a band that I thought had to represent uh, this country, you know, in international competition of some kind, um, purely just because of, of the, the sort of size and, and sound and, like, um, uh, again, sort of the charisma, I'm, I'm going to go Chili Peppers here. Jeremy. 
Uh, I'm going to go, you know, based on our criteria, the Chili, Fe- Chili Peppers were a band that was influenced by great bands, but I don't think influenced any great bands, unlike the Cars. So I'm going to go Cars. Yeah, it's actually closer than I thought. I, I you know, I, I'm thinking back to how much I used to love going to see the Chili Peppers, but there was a point at which I just, um, more than I could ignore REM's bad period, I, Red, Hot, Red Hot Chili Peppers' bad period seems to dominate their catalog. So I'm going to go the Cars. Yeah, well, Oof. fair enough. Snow Hayo killed them. Yeah. They deserved it <laughs> for that Actually, one song. Blood in the snow. Next one up, I think this could be uh, relatively short. The Stooges versus my morning jacket. <laughs> Shall we vote? <laughs> Actually, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to defend my morning jacket. I love them, um, but Stooges. <laughs> I'm going to uh, also say It Still Moves is a fantastic album. Stooges. If anybody's seen yeah, the Dave Chappelle show, Prince playing basketball, I think Prince might have met his match in Iggy Pop. Stooges. Yeah. one of uh, the day uh, slate on, on uh, the second day of, of the tournament. We have uh, two sets of Jersey natives. Uh, Blondie versus Yola Tango. Jerry, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to come out of the gates here. I mean, Yola Tango is going to be the, uh, the slow... But steady uh, team. Um, I don't, you know, I don't even know if, if they've ever seen a basketball court. But um, I think they're a band that that has put out just more great albums than I, I can kind of name off. But I, I love Painful. I love Electropura. I love um, the heart. Can you know hear the heartbeat as one? 
I love Fake Book. Um, I think they're a band that, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, a super chunk or, or, um, you know, another kind of just indie classic band that, that actually unlike super Chuck, like super Chuck in the sense that they're a staple to indie rock. But I think unlike them in the sense that they really evolve their sound on different albums, they go from quiet to noisy to folky to, um, uh, you know, kind of even fun kind of funk, um, I, I just think this band is, is, is one of my all-time favorites and, and a really important uh, underground American music band. Blondie, on the other hand, is, is parallel lines to me. I mean, that's a flawless album. It, it's amazing. It's the, you know, CBGB's New York. Deborah Harry is, is such a huge, huge part of American music. Um, iconic, you know, in their, in their look, in their style. But I, I uh, my problem with Blondie is just there's not a lot of uh, a lot besides that in my opinion. So um, when you live Blondie and love Blondie more than I do, so go for it. Yeah, no, I mean I I think Blondie has a massive cultural influence. Um, I think not only that they were seekers of what was going to be next. You know, I mean they it, as funny as Rapture sounds now it was um, probably most people's first introduction to hip hop or first you know acquaintance with hip-hop um things like heart of glass was a disco song and they got shit on for it but it was a i mean is there there's very few better pop songs ever written or ever made i should say um i'm a massive yola tango fan i will uh funny that you say they've never seen a basketball court they're actually named for um the uh, they name themselves after what um Latin outfielders yell when the ball when it's uh, when the two guys yeah, are going for the same that's ball. That's baseball. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it, it is a sports reference. Um, anyway, I, I'm not going to talk too long about this because I'm actually interested to where the vote goes, Christian. No, I mean, I, I actually think I'm I'm kind of interested to turn it to a vote as well. I mean, I think um, in the, the cultural influence uh, or cultural impact and and lasting influence. Um, I think both of those go pretty pretty clearly to Blondie. Um, and frankly, I think everybody in Yola Tango would agree with that. Uh, you know, um, as far as the, as far as which I go back to the most, um, or technical ability, um, you know, in, in either of those two categories, I'd say it's pretty evenly split for me. Um, I, you know, the, the biggest, the biggest distinction here is that one is a case of a happy marriage and the other is a case of unrequited love. Um, but aside from that, yeah, I think we're ready to vote. All right. Uh, Christian, why don't you vote first? Okay, cool. Blondie. Chair? Yeah, this is going to be my Interpol, so I'm going with Yola Tango. It is your Interpol. I'm going Blondie. I, I, I would have thought I'd, before this I'd have gone Yola Tango because I love them, but uh, Blondie it is.
And we're gonna, with that, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with the evening slate right after this. That's it for this episode of Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks to Simon Doom for our intro music, Hair of the God, and to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall. You can learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Tweet our mistakes and your recommendations and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Until next time, on behalf of Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you for listening.